Welcome to the Four Corners podcast, Dark Match. I have a special guest this week, uh, my cousin Chris. So you have the honor of pretty much listening to what Thanksgiving is like at my house. <laughs> this is this is a straight up fact. This is what we do. We will eat. We will take about a 10 minute nap on the couch. And then one of us will wake up. And then we either start talking about wrestling or we talk about like fantasy football or something, but pretty much more wrestling than anything. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think, I think we've been talking wrestling since we were playing one of those awful um, PlayStation, I think like Raw's War Games. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like Raw, yeah, like Raw's War, I think it was like the first one. You know, like when you still had to do the... um the fighting game combos to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of button mashing, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that, but yeah. And then you had to, yeah, oh man, gosh, just they, they were terrible. Those games were not good. No, compared they to what not. you got now. So it, I'm going to get, we're going to kind of follow the format I followed with Kelly and we're going to kind of get into your fandom a bit before we we get to today's subject so what are your what is your earliest memory of wrestling because i know we talked about it before we were recording and you said like you really had to kind of like stump and think about this yeah like i've had to like i've i mean i'm i'm almost 37 years old now and i'm not ashamed to say it um but yeah like like brad kind of shot me this about being on the being uh, being on the show and i and he kind of wanted to do the same thing that he kind of did with Kelly. And I was like, wow, like, what's my earliest memory of wrestling? Because as far as I can remember, I've been a wrestling fan since birth. But um, I think probably guys in my age range, the earliest the earliest memory is, of course, or probably around WrestleMania 3. You got the Andre Hogan. Yeah. You got Steamboat. You got Savage. You know, you got all that stuff. Um, so that's probably like when I actually like could like watch it and like not really understand what was going on, but just being like, wow, like these guys are larger than life. You know, you got Savage and Steamboat just wrestling and Savage coming off the top rope and being Macho Man and Ricky just being so smooth in the ring. And then you got Andre and you got Hogan coming down and Hogan was any kids, any kids our age, yeah. you know, I mean, Hogan was, Hogan was the man, you know, he was our Michael Jordan, probably. I would you say, know? cause I would say like, if, if for someone listening that wasn't like a kid in the eighties, it was kind of like, it wasn't the same, but it was kind of like Hogan and Tyson were kind of like in that same stratosphere of like that unbeatable champion. Like, yeah. Especially before you were just larger than life. Like, I mean, like, I mean, and I, and I, I told you off air, like I listened to a couple of your guys on the podcast and it was something about, you know, like the favorite music. And I mean, it was like when, Ty- when, when Tyson would come out, you know, and he had that music and he had just like that towel over him, you were like, Ooh, you know, you're in for it, man. Yeah. And like, same thing when, when real American hits, 
like you know like like something's coming down and it's and it's a force that yeah that you better you better pack pack a lunch because this is going to be this is going to be a dog fight yeah so what would you say like your favorite style of wrestling is and we can go a little more into that of like what's your favorite style and favorite promotion so favorite style my favorite style has probably evolved um a little bit because like in the past couple years um i've gotten into new japan a little bit more um really the omega okada series got me really big into 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 new japan and then just trying to just search for anyone um kota abushi is like oh, in my top 10 yeah. right now. Like if that guy is on, I'm watching um, like the match that he had with Ishii in the G1, I think yeah. where they're just chopping each other in the throats. It, like I'm watching it and I hurt, but then I'm like, I can't stop watching because I want to see which one like says no first. It's, it's on YouTube. If you really want to see how great Kota Ibushi is, there's a match from DDT where he wrestles a blow up doll. I think I've seen and either that one or didn't Kenny do one? Yeah, with Kenny a blow did, up, or the nine year old girl. Yeah, the nine year old girl. Yeah. he did. But I think he did the blow up doll was like a um, it was a recurring character. Yeah. So a lot of guys wrestled it, but I've talked about how good Kota Ibushi is. Like he has a match, like a ten minute match as a blow up doll, mm-hmm. and it's actually fairly good. Like yeah. I've seen guys not have that good of a match with a living opponent, and he. He had a good match with a blow up doll. Yeah, it's yeah. Abushi, Abushi to me is just is insane, and um, I've definitely started liking the New Japan style a little bit more. A little hard hitting. Um, matches are a little bit longer, but I know they take a couple rest breaks in between. Yeah, and it's not the traditional like WWE rest breaks and where they, it's they throw... headlocks stuff like that. But I mean, they throw everything at it, and they build the card right. Like you get your Toriyano match and his hilarity. When, oh yeah, um, when you're getting a little tired of it. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. They do a really good job of breaking it up, and and I kind of like the characters and and. You know, I know we were talking off off about Bullet Club and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, Tomatonga's Tomatonga's becoming a favorite of mine. I mean, I, I liked him before, and he's just he, becoming his a, Twitter stuff cracks me up. Man, he he, I I he is savage. There is one time I don't know when I did this. I I think I sent him a tweet, and I was just like, Tom is the best, and or like something like that. And he like liked it and retweeted it, and I was on cloud nine for the whole rest of the day. I was like, this dude. Like liked my you know, liked my post about this, but I mean it was I mean as a, as a wrestling fan that's that's all I think you ever ask for when you reach out and they have really good music that fits them because like they have that like especially with the new one the new theme song actually did you know that the guy that is rapping on the theme songs from where we live in Columbus oh I did not know yeah I uh, I saw the uh, the guy who made the beat and everything for it. He he had like a little 10 minute video out on YouTube about it. And he talked about the guy and he said, I, I, I knew this one guy who I wanted to, to kind of do the lyrics for it. And it's a guy from Columbus, Ohio. So I was, it was, uh, I was pretty pumped when I heard that, that a guy from our hometown is, is, is doing his theme song. But it's, it's such a great entrance for them though, because this is really like low, like rap, like really menacing. Oh have- Yeah. You have like Gatto coming out like with the air horn and he's got like the mask with like the skull on it. And then these yeah. just two like 
bad looking dudes come out. Yeah. And it really just sets and this I, tone of like, oh man, these guys are like, these guys are. These not guys are these. Around. Oh yeah, and I lo- and I love the fact that they're rocking like the masks now, like yeah. the, like the Red Hood masks, and Thomas now has like the actual like face paint painted on the mask, and and yeah, like I mean Thomas just, I mean Thomas so cool, and like he does little things, like man, he was doing the Roman like cock, and then he would flip it off. That stuff, that stuff to me, I just, I just laugh at that stuff when I see that. Or when they like when they pelvic thrust right in the camera, that always cracks. Oh me yeah, up. yeah. But yeah, definitely the new Japan style. I've become, I've become a fan of. Um, I have to. I, it just popped in my head. Actually, do you remember? Do you remember that SmackDown you and I went to? I think we sat in the clubs, and there was that there was that dude that had to have been like in his fifties that was like super into it and was like chanting the "You suck" to Kurt Angle, and he was just like super into the show, oh. and you and I were just like enthralled by like his. Like, yeah, I think that's when we, I think that's when we started going to shows to actually do a lot more people watching. Yeah. Than like actually watching the wrestling because I think we knew what we were gonna get with a SmackDown or a Raw show. Remember that's the one that had that. I don't know if you remember it, but it's like my definitive like bad match live. It was like Booker T and Hardcore Holly. Oh. And it was like, I swear to God, I know it wasn't, but it felt like it was 30 minutes. It felt like it like, was like an hour and I think it was like a 10 and, maybe minute match. And then they screwed the ending up and they came back out to reshoot it. And you're like, no, yeah. like not this. I think I like stood on the chair and I was like, you're going to put us through this again. I know. But yeah, that 50 year old man, that was just way into like the Kurt Angle stuff and i was kelly, i was kelly and i actually went to a show we, we missed a title change because we were watching some guy on the floor get arrested <laughs> <laughs> i've actually i've actually seen some pretty good fights in the stands at wrestling shows than 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 actual the the competition in the ring i've never done that but like have you like when you go to the indie shows like there was one weekend i did an rh show one day and then a chikara show the next day I came home from the second one. I'm just like, I need to shower like five times because I just feel like I've been swimming in like human like BO for like yeah. two days. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that sometimes. And especially if, especially if you, you know, know somebody that who's a pro wrestler or something like that and they go with you and you get those guys that are just, they watch any indie wrestling whatsoever. So then you're with your friend and you're just watching a show and people are coming up going, Hey, what are you going to wrestle again? When are you going to wrestle again? And everyone's like, who the heck's this guy? You know, why is everyone coming up to this guy? But yeah, you definitely, you definitely feel like you need to take a shower once or twice after you're done at a a wrestling show. I went to an ROH one, I think about four years ago and they did it at the fairgrounds. And it was 90 degrees out. I think I was going to go to that one, but I didn't for some reason. And there was no I AC. I think I had to work. And I think my one friend that I was talking to about who we went to the one wrestling show with, I think he texted me and said, you made the right decision not going because this is the hottest event oh, I've ever been in in my awful. life. Like you're just at that point, especially in that building, even with a fan on, yeah. like you're literally just stewing in your own sweat. Yeah. You're sitting there and you're like, I just want somebody to like knock me over just so I can get closer to the ground where maybe yeah. there's some fresh air. It had like great matches though. It had Adam Culver's Leah Rush. That was really good. Um, it had um, Dalton Castle versus uh, Hiromo. What, I can't think of his last name now. I got broke his neck last year. Oh, is that a Takahashi? Yeah. Yeah. He was Kushi. 
Kushida. Yeah, he one. was. Yeah. No, he was. Um, no, he was. Katamashi or something. Yeah, Katamashi, like I think. Yeah, and then it had. Um, what was the other good match on that? There was another good match on that show. Yeah. Oh, it was um, War Machine versus um, Christopher Daniels and Kazarian. Oh, yeah. And like a, like a fight without honor, which is just like a yeah. big brawl. Yeah, and I think you told me off off before we started that that was an awesome match yeah war machine war machines probably had two of the best matches i've seen live yeah i think the best match i saw was nxt which was neville versus cesaro mm-hmm. and um, well those two can just go in the ring man those yeah. two are just insane yeah those so, two are flat out insane yeah so what would you say i know you're gonna say probably wwe but just because of access for your favorite promotion of all time but would you say that, or would you still say ECW holds like a nostalgic? ECW definitely holds like a nostalgic place in my heart. I mean, I was, I think we were both, when ECW was around, we were starting to be like mid-teens. Yeah. So we were starting to kind of understand wrestling a little bit more. And, you know, you had the Monday Night, well, not really the Monday Night Wars yet. Uh, but you did have WCW and stuff, but then you had this ECW and everyone... You know, if you had some other fan, you know, some other friends in school that were hardcore wrestling fans and they're like, oh, you got to hear about this ECW and you're kind of doing the back then, you know, you're doing the tape trades, man. Yeah. You're, you're, we, tape trading, you're tape trading, you know, stuff and you're watching and you're like, man, I feel like I need to watch this. Like when, like when mom and dad go to bed, cause like, see, I don't think I ever saw the TV here until they're on TNN. I know it was here because they came here a couple times. Yeah. It, but my first exposure to it was in, um, I don't even remember the magazine. Like when we, because the magazines, like, you know when they would kind of It wasn't do, PWI, was it? No, there was like a, because that was like when wrestling was getting hot, so everyone was trying to do a magazine. Oh. So this one was more of a, it was more of a smart magazine than it was like. Was it WoW? It might have been. Because I think I had a subscription for WoW, and I think it was just everything. And yeah. I think it was like World of Wrestling or something like that. I think like that's that. it, because I bet I bet if I – I bet I still have them somewhere, but I, I know there was one I subscribed to, but I don't remember what it was so, called. So, funny story about that. I'll sidebar this real quick. So, my, my dad used to drive limousines here, and he would – he every time – that WWE or WWF. He was actually on TV once. He wasn't was he? actually on TV once. Yeah. Because wasn't and he like? Because your dad, your dad was a tall guy. Like your my dad, dad was, yeah, my dad was my dad's my dad was a tall guy. He was about six foot two, uh, dark hair, beard, not like a crazy like Bray Wyatt kind of beard. It was it it wasn't. It was crazy for it, the nineties. It, it was crazy for the nineties. He had gray. He just kind of let it go. It, it it was kind of black but and gray. Didn't um, but, didn't um, didn't a certain someone that we don't talk about stare him down like when he got out of the limo and like your dad was like a good five inches taller than him so so here's the story about that so i have two stories actually so since we're going to talk about this so the one story since since brad brought it up um my dad was on tv because when they do that they drive the limos in and then they wait for a couple hours so then there was another limo that came in and it was one of those stretch hummers well they tell the guys, hey, you got to stay by the cars when we need you to shoot. We'll shoot. So my dad being my dad, he stays by the limos. Everything's good. So it was, I believe it was Shane McMahon actually comes back to my dad and goes, hey, where's the guy with the Hummer? Because the Hummer wasn't with my dad's company. My dad's like, I don't know where he's at. And he's like, all right, well, 
you think you can drive this? And my dad's like, I can drive that bus you have over there. So he's like, all right, back it up, load it up. Long story short, my dad drives in this Hummer and the Radicals. So if you remember the Radicals from the Attitude Era, it was Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit. And my dad comes across and opens the door. And I think... Oh, I'd have to go back and look at this. I but I want to say it was Benoit shot my dad a look. And you can't see it because how they have it angled. But my dad's like seven inches taller than Benoit. Well, he's taller and, than all of them, wasn't he? And he's taller than all of them. And at the end of the show, we go to the back. He takes a wrestler to the airport and says, I'll be back to pick you and my friend up from high school up. So he picks us up. We're in the limo. He takes me, he takes us home. And I go, how cool is that with the radicals? And he goes, do you know how effing short those guys are? He goes, those guys are your height. And I'm about five, seven, five, eight. And he goes, they're about your height. And he goes, I was just laughing my head off when, when that one was shooting that look at me. So, yeah, so that was funny. And then actually, I think that same day, my other story, I got a whole bunch of autographs that day and I met test and uh, a couple other guys and, and yeah, and that was pretty funny. So I had a couple, I had a couple interactions with some guys backstage when I was growing up, but uh, I remember, cause I remember you, the one you pointed out to me that I remember is you talked about Gangrel, like actually was like super nice. Yeah. Gangrel was super nice. Um, big show, big show, actually um, big show was actually talking to my dad for a little bit and actually told my dad, to come have dinner with him in the back. Cause my dad was like, Oh, like, I don't think I'm, I'm supposed to. And he was like, nah, man, he's like, you're my guest. You come with me. So, I mean, my dad had a, had a patch that had like the backstage pass and stuff like that. So, so yeah, he said, uh, he said, uh, he had dinner with, uh, with the big show and that was pretty cool. And then, um, one night I'll, I'll say this one real quick and then we'll go on. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> he actually got, uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson to call me on the phone and asked me if I was coming down to a show. And I think it was like a Sunday night heat. And uh, I think it was at the shot here in Columbus. And I was like, Oh, I don't have any tickets because actually earlier in that day, my dad drove a uh, too cool and Rikishi to like a make a wish. <laughs> and, uh, one of the agents, uh, was talking to my dad and he told my dad, you know, if your son can get down here, there's like four tickets with his name on it. And man, back in the early nineties, you know, late, mid to late nineties, you know, we didn't have cell phones yet. So you're trying to call everybody on in your, in your phone book and you're leaving messages going, call me back in 10 minutes. If you want to go to wrestling tonight and, you know, hang up the phone and yeah. And that was a, that was a pretty cool night. Uh, and yeah, needless to say, I was pretty speechless when Dwayne, Dwayne, the rock Johnson was talking to me on the phone. That's cool. Yeah. I remember that story. Yeah. So then, um, if you had, if you had to, and I know this changes a lot. Like I know my favorite wrestlers change wrestlers have changed. Like the more stuff I've seen, but yeah. who would you say like all time your favorite wrestler is? <laughs> so if you were to ask me this probably before I actually talked to you about this, I would have said Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I've done a little bit more, like actually like watching and kind of studying, not for this show particular, um, Macho Man's jumped up there, and actually some of the newer stuff 
that Jericho has done yeah. has put him kind of in my top three because that guy has evolved. His New Japan stuff like really changed my opinion his, of him. Yeah, his New Japan stuff when he when he went to go with Omega really changed my opinion on him. You, and you know then, what? It cracks me up when he does it, but when when he's beating someone up and he takes the camera and he's like filming them oh. like, and he starts like giving the finger to the camera. Oh, stuff. the best. Oh, so when he was doing the match with Okada, when not Okada, I'm sorry, with Omega and it was uh, no rules, I think no disqualification yeah. or something. And he locks in the lion tamer within like two minutes of it. Omega grabs the ropes and red shoes is telling him he needs to break. And he goes, it's no DQ idiot. <laughs> I'm like, this is why Jericho has moved up in the top three in my in my world. I mean, that guy's insane. Um, Stone Cold's always been a favorite of mine yeah. as well. I mean, that guy was. I mean, I had the Austin three sixteen shirt. You, I mean, you know what? You know what I love about him is when you listen to his podcast. He is, he is like our level of wrestling nerd. Oh like yeah, when he talks about like when have you heard the one where he has Scott Hall on there and they're just no. like they're. They spend like 10 minutes just talking about guys whose drop kicks they like. Yeah. No. But I mean, just like I've heard, I've heard him talk about the wrestling business and like him talking about him being as a wrestler and, and being a fan, like, and he, just being a fan and just how he, how he really talks about how, like, oh, if I was in that match, I would lay that match out like this or I would lay it out like that. And you're like, huh? Yeah. I would too, but like, I didn't know if I was on the right page. And yeah. now that you said it, I'm like, all right, very cool. Um, yeah. I also like, uh, I know we were talking about styles. I like the British style. I like the strong style. I'm starting to become a fan of that. I wrestled in high school and then I coached for a little bit. So anything more map based, I'm, I really like, I think that's just cause I wrestled in, in high school and that's, stuff like um, that. So that's what Kelly talked about. And you, you listened to that episode, but, um, yeah, the Steiner brothers, because they were like the legit, like yeah. ring gear. Yeah. Anytime you, anytime you can get a guy like a, like, like the Steiner brothers, like a Kurt angle, like a Gable now. Um, he is, he was actually really over to the house show I went to. And yeah. I was kind of shocked by that, but man, he is, he is horribly, misused oh yeah he's he's terribly misused um he's bigger he's um i was shocked by him though because he's bigger in person than he looks on tv like wide like thicker or just like he's like he's he's pretty built like yeah he's pretty ripped and I was, he does he does look very he does look like he's very well put together i just didn't know like if he was like a stature size because i know they always bash on like balor mm-hmm. about his like like especially when like Corbin goes off like oh like you got to be this tall to like do this. I've never felt Finn. I've never life. felt like they've ever, they've ever done that with Finn though. Have you have you seen Finn live? No, which I would love to. He's um he's interesting because um he's very graceful in person that doesn't come across on TV yeah. all the time. Like he's almost like a ballet dancer in some yeah. ways like he's very graceful it's he's interesting yeah and i remember you talking you and kelly's podcast about how like you guys went and i think saw ballet or mm-hmm. or something like that and like you you stuck it out but it's kind of wrestling's kind of the male version of ballet i mean these guys are some of these guys actually are going in there and doing some very you know aerial type stuff like yeah. like you said like finn and you know, like old school Mysterio and Guerrero and 
yeah. psychosis and he was just actually psychosis was just in an accident was he yeah i saw a headline i don't know what oh. happened now but yeah um that's actually one of the things i miss a lot is the the luchadors and wcw yeah yeah, I, I I remember. Yeah, I remember they always kicked off the show, didn't they? A lot of times, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you'd have like a Juventud Guerrera, the Juice. Yeah. The Juice and uh, La Parca. La Parca was my guy because he was always the bigger kind of cruiserweight. Yeah, he was. He's still. He's still around. Actually. He's still around, isn't he? Doing like AAA stuff. No, he's actually. He's actually doing like CMLL and AAA at like the same time. Like Is he's he been really? like a really big deal lately. Jeez. He's really fat, but he's still really good. Ugh. And my favorite, my favorite clip ever is that fan grabbing his mask and him just hauling off. Oh and yeah, punching that dude right in the face. Yeah. So anyway, um, I need to bring it up for this, but so um, kind of as a nostalgic callback to our teenage years, we decided we were gonna kind of go watch a show and review it. So we are doing ECW Heat Wave 1998. Yep. So this is actually funny because we we randomly picked this. You were watching it and you said, "Hey, this is supposed to be a good one." Well, and I I did a I think we talked about doing a show together. I think we were messaging back and forth cuz I cuz I I'd listened to the podcast with you and Kelly and then I started listening to a couple other shows uh that you guys were doing and I said, "Man, I said I think that'd be pretty cool to just you know, sit down, shoot the shit about wrestling and yeah. stuff like that. And I think you said, let's do an ECW pay-per-view. And I said, all right. And I think I looked up like their best ECW pay-per-views or, or I think I said something. And I like out of like the 10 sites I was looking at, I think like eight of them said like heat wave 98 was like the top pay-per-view, which was actually in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I, I was yeah. surprised at that. Cause <clears> I didn't, I know they, I I actually, when they were still like the original ECW, I did see an original ECW. At, um, it's a little shithole of a music hall here called the Newport. Oh. It's a little building that should be condemned. And I, I watched an ECW oh. show me, there in two thousand. <laughs> speaking, speaking of the Newport, me and one of my, me and one of my really good buddies just went a couple months ago to the uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony concert oh, there, nice. and it was unreal i couldn't hear for about three days after but it was uh it was a, it was a very good sh- very good show that's actually a fitting concert to see considering what the era of wrestling we're talking this about. this is true this is very very true so they had a, they, they had it says they had four thousand. so i think that's about one of the better turnouts that ecw had yeah according to wikipedia yeah so um the first thing i noticed is i don't know if it was the copy they had <clears> but man the video quality on this was a little rough yeah yeah, it, it it looked a little rough, and I'll and I'll mention it when we get to one of the matches where, on my screen, the color kind of flipped, I and I'll and I'll have and I and it was the tag match. Okay. And I don't know if it happened to you or not, but mine. I actually rewound it and seeing if it was just something that happened on the stream. I I ended up watching that tag twice because I wanted to see the exact moment where it went off the rails. Oh. Uh, because we'll get to it. Though. We'll definitely talk about that. So we kind of, we kind of start off with um Styles kind of introduced the show. Um, he has uh, Shane Douglas and Francine come out. So. I think in real life, Shane Douglas had had this injury and been out quite a while. And that's why Taz has what is the FTW heavyweight title. Yeah. Like is an interim. Yeah. Belt. Yeah. Shane comes out with Francine, which like at the time, 
you you watch it as like a teen and you're like holy cow now i look back at it like i said almost 37 years old and i'm just like ecw took it to the line and like their toes are right on the line of like where you can go well i mean tammy i don't know we'll get to that but do you think tammy's uh wardrobe malfunction was on purpose or not I don't know. It seemed like it was accidental. It seems like it was very accidental, but you never know in the wrestling business. Yeah. So, um, Shane sits in on commentary. It's, it's kind of weird though, because he doesn't talk a lot. Like he kind of goes away. So this was, so this was what I was going to say. Like when we were talking more about the matches. So Shane really doesn't talk much, but when Shane does enter, like interject, it's very like, basic wrestling stuff but it's very stuff where if you're a casual fan you're like oh okay like that makes sense like he says something in the first match and we'll talk about it probably when we get there and it was like to me i was like oh i can kind of agree with like shane interjecting that little bit but yeah i thought it was very very weird that shane came out with that elbow brace on but yeah i think that was a legit injury yeah it it was he was hurt for quite a while actually yeah but um what also surprised me about him is he's very down the line for the whole show he like really didn't heal it up even though he's obviously a heel no he i think the only time he healed it up was the taz match but even that i was surprised that he was like objective and he'd give taz credit when he did like yeah good things yeah and i was gonna say too um Joey Styles reminds me of just Morrow. Yeah. Of, of, I mean, just with the catchphrases and the... I struggle with Styles. Like, I liked him at the time, but he doesn't age well. So, I I thought Joey was, at the time, I thought Joey was, like, the bee's knees. And I was like, this guy's awesome. This guy's amazing. And now I watch it, and I was just like, ah, man. He's a little douchey. Like, he, yeah, he's a little douchey. A little try-hard. L- yeah, very try-hard. Um, but just, but yeah, and I think that's what we were talking about, like the nostalgia, like the nostalgia, the mystique of ECW in '98, well, and now in, in almost in 2019. He, he's like kind of okay when he's doing like when he's just sticking to play by play. Yeah, like when he's, he's, he's just okay. calling the match. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. But it, when you get when you get when he gets into like his catchphrases or he's trying to like. You know, it just, there's points where it's just like, oh man, like just stop, like just stick to yeah. the match. Yeah. And I also wanted to talk about how Shane Douglas had the classic late nineties look. Oh yeah. Of the, even jean, the, hat. the jean shorts, like the, the hiking boots and like the backwards, like, uh, like grandpa hat, like oh, the Kangol yeah. hat on. Even, even his facial hair was very like 90s. the Like the facial hair and all that stuff. And I mean... That's that's the problem with ECW though is like sometimes it's hard to go back to because it's very like it's very nineties like it's it's strange. oh it's very nineties it's very nineties and just like I said the whole thing about the whole thing about like Francine I mean Francine the, I mean Francine was I mean the T shirt I have on right now was more material yeah. than she had on but and like, I'm just like holy cow like it, what are we doing it's weird to me like how the hokey eighties stuff like age is better than the 90s extreme stuff like yeah just in general even like in broader culture yeah like there's something about the 80s that just ages a little better yeah except for like i think grunge music aged pretty decently but a lot yeah of grunge stuff. yeah because i mean i mean i can put on nirvana now and i mean i'm still yeah. just like oh this is 
this is still amazing stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, stuff like that. So our first match on the card is Just Incredible versus Jerry Lynn. Can I, before we go into the match, can I talk about the ECW like theme music first? Yeah. Because I just, to me, that was that's the best theme music out of any of the big three. Well, that's that's one of the things to me that that's that's and to me music music can start and set a show. Yeah, in my opinion, and I just thought ECW's theme was the best. It's it's one of the things that suck about the network and watching on the network is thank, you lose like thank you, you okay. The, I know they can't license it, but like that that really you do lose some of the charm. Yeah, yeah, you lose. I think I think you lose some of the memory of the actual. Like pay per view, because I mean, like we could probably pull it up on the tapes that we have, yeah. and listen to the music, and yeah, like now you hear, I don't know, probably Jim Johnston did some riffs for it or something, but yeah, but, but there was a couple, there, there was a couple songs though that were the actual theme songs, and we'll get to those yeah. during but the show if you want. And some of them they cleverly put like their WWE theme in, yeah. But the 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 music it kicked off with was I think the TNN music, but I think that was their basic. But that I think, but that's yeah. their basic ECW. And it encapsulates the I think it encapsulates the personality of the promotion pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely agree to that. Like I said, it just to me that 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 theme song just or that song just kind of gets you ready for the show, and then like. Then you just start. Then you just blow into the show, and yeah, like like Brad said, Jerry, Jerry Lynn and Just Incredible. So this match, um, I'm not a big Just Incredible guy. Uh, he's, but I thought this was, this wasn't like an amazing match, but this is a good opener. Like there was good back and forth action. Not yeah, not the best. I think out of both of those guys, I definitely think. I definitely think guys make matches together that are better. Yeah. Like obviously RVD and Jay Lynn have amazing matches together. And I, I know I wrote here on my notes, there was a couple, couple spots where they like botched or the timing was yeah, off. Yeah, there, there was a, I think it was this match. It might be the next match, but there was a hurricane Rana in this match. that looked really rough. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to see, but yeah, there was, but like, I mean, even the first couple of minutes, I think credible whips, um, Lynn to the turnbuckle and they try to go for a up and over and Lynn like stumbles or either the timing's off yeah and they kind of like they have to like stumble and then like they do it yeah and um you know yeah it's 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 not too bad but yeah I mean to me in my opinion with this match I felt like I felt like the people that were with Just Incredible were trying to take some of the match away. Yeah, he had too many people. I, I so know like, he always had like a so an they had drug. so they had that Jason guy who just looks totally douchey. Yeah, says he's like the sexiest man or whatever. He looks like a total d bag. And then Chastity, who's Ch- just kind of like Chastity, who's just this like annoying chick. And she was like part of like the Sandman and Raven thing, and she ends up in WC. I think she's just fresh off of WCW. Okay. No, she might show up later. She was in WCW for a bit. Yeah. And then... Um, and then good old Nicole Bass from the Howard Stern Show. I know. Also, if you want a funny chastity story, look up New Jack on YouTube talking about her and Devon Dudley. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. But New, yeah... New Jack's always entertaining to New Jack. To. New Jack is very entertaining. But yeah, I felt like in this match, they kept... They interjected too the, much. The, out, the outside, even with the crowd, like they were interjecting with the crowd a lot. And the yeah. crowd was hot like the first match. But I think they were interjecting with the crowd a lot too, which was pulling 
me sometimes away from what was going on in the match. Yeah, so when we did November to Remember, that was a real issue we had with that show. Mm-hmm. This show was a lot better because most of the matches they played straight. Yeah. But like the um the November to Remember, there was a lot of stuff like this and a lot of like run-ins and stuff, which yeah. was more limited on this, but I see what you're saying like it was distracting. It was very uh, yeah, it was very like I think there was a good minute where like Nicole Bass was yelling with these like frat boys for like two minutes and like where they had the angle of the camera like you could see them in the background and i was just kind of like more drawn to that than actually like what was going on in the ring and it was bad timing because like usually when managers do that like more seasoned managers it's like during a rest hold or like a headlock or something where they're they're getting the crowd incense but they were doing that stuff like while like they were running the ropes While or, they, like, yeah. or like something important was happening. You'd be watching that and then you'd hear a noise. You look back in the ring and someone was on the ground. You'd be like, well, what? I just missed something. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of running the ropes, Lynn was running the ropes really weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a trained professional or anything like that, but he was running the ropes really weird. Like, I mean, putting his whole like side and like leg into it. He's, I just, I didn't know. Uh, I really go back and forth with him. Like there's stuff like, um, his his stuff with like Styles is really good. His stuff with RVD is really good. Like his stuff with um, X Pac from like the GWF is really good. Okay. But man, sometimes like he's really rough. Like sometimes he blows his spots. Like and yeah, there's weird stuff. Like I thought this was a decent opener, but like I don't think it was anything special. Like I wouldn't go back and watch this. No. And I think the the next the next match I thought was better. Because weren't they even hyping it up like this was like the sun like this was like the summer series like end. Like yeah. final for them too? Something like that, yeah. But also, uh, I will interject if you're a fan from the, the nineties wrestling, the uh bright pink shirt guy oh, was yeah. in the front row. Yes. So I, there there is one guy as as my notes have really weird little 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 things in here about about stuff like that. But I mean I, as I a was... as a fan from back then to now, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. He was at every single stupid yeah, show. Yeah, there's a guy. There's like this um, there's this guy at in world class shows that sits in like the same seat with his beer like every show with his hat. Oh yeah. And um, he's literally in the same spot like every show. Yeah. And I like, I miss that like um, <laughs> I miss that with them traveling like I miss seeing like mm-hmm. recognizing like fans in like the front row and stuff. Yeah. And realizing they've probably been to, like, every show for, like, 20 years. Yeah. Now, sorry. Now, call me a wrestling snob on this or not, but Styles kept calling a sit-out powerbomb a tiger bomb. Hey, he he likes to do that. And I kept getting very annoyed by that because, in my opinion, that's not a tiger bomb. Tiger bomb's the underhook into a sit-out. Yeah. Right? The the problem with that's one of the problems I have with Styles because he did it some other points in this like he wants to get like he wants to be like super technical with the names and stuff like I don't like it when I don't like it when guys have to call it like a Fujiwara armbar it's like just call it an armbar yeah just call it an armbar like unless it's Fujiwara actually doing it like yeah just, yeah yeah okay like that... so he does that and like wait, I can't remember what. The, the Taz move is, but he always calls it by like what it's technically the, the Taz mission, and he calls it the Kota Hajame. Yeah, and he doesn't. And you're just like it's a freaking arm under choke. Yeah, and it's mm. just uh, yeah he he does that. I I remember what you're talking about. I don't remember 
I guess that wasn't a tiger bomb. He does it three times in this match because I have it in my notes because okay. it annoyed me every single time. Because I think I think Lynn does it twice, uh-huh. and I think Credible does like a running one. Yeah, and he calls it a running tiger bomb, and I'm like pausing the network, <laughs> and I'm like, it's not a freaking tiger bomb. Like, come on, it's a sit out power bomb, if anything. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, Credible does a does a uh, middle rope uh tombstone yeah to get the win i was surprised by that yeah which i thought credible like broke his knees when he did that but it was uh i always hated him doing a tombstone he's like he's too he's too slight to be doing that kind of move but he had that twisting one he did he had that twisting version i don't like when guys i don't like when guys of his size like when you can look at guys on the roster and be like there's no conceivable way you can do that to every guy on the roster which this is now we're getting we're getting into like we're getting into like a marquee mark like looking at things but like yeah i hate when guys have a finisher when you look at the roster and be like you can't conceivably do that to everyone on the roster maybe I, you should rethink like, i can i can i can agree with that to a certain extent like maybe you should rethink but like i i've talked about on other shows on our podcast i i miss like in the all japan um stratosphere when guys had like their regular finisher but then mm-hmm. they had like their super mega finisher that they yeah. used when like the regular finisher like mizawa had like the tiger driver 91 like yeah or you know the ganzo bomb like for kawada like they had those special moves that like were for those situations where the regular thing yeah didn't work but yeah like um i was kind of surprised by the the second rope tombstone because yeah that could go really wrong. Yeah, very, very surprised by that because I had no idea if Lynn was either alive after that or not. Yeah. But, but yeah, that was a decent decent kickoff match. But like I said, like we said, it's definitely. a standard TV match. Standard, yeah, standard TV match. But definitely there were parts where the outside stuff was pulling my eyes yeah. to that instead of the actual match. So. Yeah. So then up next, we have Chris Candido and Lance Storm. Ooh, Candido looked like a million bucks, man. Yeah, he did his little Rick Steiner thing to start with. He did. Uh, so I have that in my notes as well. So I, apparently, I don't remember if if Tammy Lynn was was there or if it was just like a special appearance. But no, she does. She has November. She's the special ref for like a match in November to remember. So I think she was there. Okay. So yeah. So she comes out and. And yeah, like I said, in here in my notes, I have a, like, Candido looked jacked. Because, I mean, he looked very jacked. And then he was wearing, uh, he was wearing headgear, wrestling headgear. Because apparently the story that I read, or the story that Styles told me, was that he was in a match with RVD and Sabu, and Sabu ripped off his ear. Uh, okay. So then yeah. he had plastic surgery to put it back on, and Shane Douglas was hyping it up that the ear wasn't even fully 100% yet. <laughs> So, yeah, so, so yeah, so he had some wrestling headgear on and Tammy Lynn and him go in the ring and I believe they kiss and then Candido runs around like Rick Steiner and gets down and then Tammy yeah. Lynn gets on top like Scott would, which was, which was very nostalgic for me because me and me and a couple of my buddies from the wrestling world, we used to do that all the time too. He didn't have the, um. He didn't go with biting the ring rope, though. He did not go with biting the ring rope. I don't know rope. if I'd bite an ECW ring I rope, I don't though. think I would either. You'd probably get hepatitis. Yeah, if you're lucky, hepatitis. This but, is true. Um, to go with this, though, so if, if you're not familiar with ECW at this time, like Shane Douglas, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Candida are, like, in a stable. Yeah, triple threat, I believe. Yeah. 
And I think their little sign was the 3D sign. Yeah, I think so. Which was everyone's sign, I think, back then or in the day. So this one I liked better than the first match. It was a little more technically sound. I thought mm-hmm. um, Lance Storm's rough. Like, he really didn't bring any personality into this. So the thing that, if anyone ever asked me, like, do like a word association with word association with Lance Storm, I will always say top five best drop kicks. Yeah. Because the guy that. because the guy is insanely athletic, like vertical, like leap wise. Um but yeah, he just has never ever had like a personality or He kinda did in WCW when he like was with the Team Canada thing. That's like the only time yeah. I found him super interesting. But like um and it's weird because when you hear him on podcasts and stuff, like he's actually like got a personality. He just never like translated it in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a really good spot here in the beginning where they just do like the basic shoulder tackle drop down leapfrog and then Candido does it and Candido goes for a leapfrog and Lance Storm just hits him with an amazing like wheel kick. Yeah. And to me like it the spot looked perfect. I mean Candido was at the type of his top of his jump and yeah. Lance just does this like I mean it was a beautiful spot in my opinion. So we talked about it a bit earlier. I I didn't go back to see when it happened, but there was a Tammy wardrobe malfunction. I don't know what caused it. So I I remember that. Um, I remember it like being off, but I don't remember something like happening that would cause it. So before we get to that, I will say that like after that spinning wheel kick, they start doing chops. Yeah. And the Ric Flair woo thing was still in effect. (laughs) So I was like, okay, cool. Because later on in the match... Lance Storm does a super kick, and there's no reaction whatsoever. And if you've been watching wrestling in the past three years, anyone does a super kick now, everyone starts marking the hell out. Yeah. Like yelling super kick, or super kicks just start humming. But yeah, he does a super kick, and it is crickets. And to me, I was just like, what happened? It's, you know, um, not a lot of guys did that move. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, I'll, I'll use, I mean, I, it's not really a wrestling term, but I'll use the wrestling term. It was protected. I think it was like, it was it a was, very protected move. He did it. Um, Glacier and WCW did it. And Michaels. Yeah. And I think Saturn did it. Saturn, I think had the like arm. He did like an arm. He had the arm and then did like a kind yeah. of like a thrust up oh, kick. We're forgetting we're forgetting a very important person that did it. The gentleman Chris Adams. Ooh, Chris Adams. Yeah, he, Chris I don't Adams remember what his is called though. His had a name and it was a His cool did name. have a name. I think but, it was just the gentleman kick. Actually. Yeah. But yeah, Candido does an impressive delayed suplex though. That I think he holds him up there for a good minute, which he, is pretty good. You know, you don't really appreciate Candido's size until he's in a in an environment where he, like the guys are smaller. No. Yeah. Cause like I said, I mean, he, the second he walked out, I was like, Whoa, like I forgot how big he was. Yeah. You know, like how well put together. And I know we were talking a little bit about, you know, like Gable and stuff like that. Yeah. And how just how you said like Gable in real life is, I mean, he's put together like yeah. he's bigger in person than what he is on TV. And I think that's probably what Candido was. If you ever saw Candido live, he was yeah. probably a lot beefier. Than what he was. But this had this. I, also, what I really liked is this match had a good energy. Like they didn't really slow down, but they didn't do like they didn't do anything like obscenely like crazy either. They just kind of kept a nice pace. They kept it a nice pace, and if they did rest holds, Tammy Lynn was perfect because this is the perfect amount, in my opinion, of 
the outside interjecting into the match, like she would tell the referee that he sucked. Yeah. And it was awesome. Or you count slow. Yeah. And it wasn't her like hamming it up on the outside, but it was perfect enough where you had a manager that was interjecting in the match, but not trying to steal the match. Yeah. Like, steal the show of the match. She was keeping the attention on candy. Yeah. She was keeping it there. Another thing that I will mention, ECW didn't have mats on the outside. No. No mats. Um, and like, and like, like I said, probably the past five years, the rules and regulations have changed. But I mean, no mats on the outside of the concrete. Some guy, some companies didn't do it because um, what some people have said is sometimes they cause more injuries than they prevent. And I think, I think with Heyman, it probably costs too much money. Really? Because Candido takes a spot. I don't know if you, I, I put it in my notes here. Candido Storm does a Storm does a suplex from outside from inside to outside, and Candido lands extremely hard. Yeah, and I thought the I man broke that. his tailbone. Yeah, there was some stuff um, that was pretty uncomfortable on the floor in the awesome Tanaka match. Yeah. Oh yes, yes that that match. Oh my god. But so I know you were talking about the Tammy Lynn wardrobe. Yeah. So she interjects herself in the match. I think she tries to like grab Lance Storm's leg. Mm-hmm. Storm does the under un, you know, outside the ring and chases her in clotheslines Candido. And she's kind of doing her thing. She, I think she leaves the ring storm goes up to the top rope. And then Tammy comes back in and starts like rubbing all on storm, like on his legs and butt. And she like, Pushes him off, but not off the ropes. Like she, like it's on that like steel part where the part of the steel and the and the post meet the mm-hmm. turnbuckle. So he's kind of sitting there, and then the ref comes up and they're kind of talking back and forth. And I think she. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm missing a whole part of this. She gets powder to Candido earlier in the match. Yeah, I remember that. And Storm hits it up in his face. He actually punches the referee, knocks the referee down. Then Tammy does all that stuff with Lance. Referee at the time gets up. Candido's still trying to sell the powder. And they're both in the ring. And I think the referee grabs her dress. Oh, okay. Because she kind of has like a... It's like a tube top with like... It like the ties like behind it her It ties back. in the back. And, can, and he's the referee's holding it. And Candido goes for a roll-up on the ref. And when he does the roll-up, it kind of either unties or pops off or something. So Tammy falls to the ground. I think it was by mistake. It had she to, seemed pretty... I think it was a definitely a mistake. Because then if you watch one of the... Because she leaves the ring. Someone's getting her a coat, I believe. And one of, the, one of the security guys yells to the other guy, give her your jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the crowd starts booing yeah, because, she gets, because she gets covered up. Meanwhile, Candido goes to the, to the top rope and does a freaking powerbomb on the storm for the win. Yeah, that one was crazy. Which was insanely... It was a good looking power bomb. It was though. a very good looking power bomb, but I, didn't, I was I didn't flinch and think, oh my gosh. Like it wasn't like the um the tombstone scared me a little more than the power tombstone bomb. Tombstone definitely scared me a little bit more, but I think it was I think the power bomb looked way cooler. Yeah. Than the actual tombstone. But he got him. But the nice thing about it was 
is he got i mean storm he he got it really well and storm pretty much landed on his back pretty oh yeah nice. storm yeah storm landed there i mean they did it very well they executed it very very well it was just a very quick fast moving spot and you're like oh okay like that's yeah that's cool and candido gets the gets the win and then I think we go to New Jack with some fans outside. We have New Jack in the parking lot. And the one thing that surprised me is there was a woman in the crowd, which is a rarity for ECW shows. Yes. Yes. And I love how they were chanting like ECW. And, and they were doing it wrong. And there's always that one person that like when everyone else stops, just keeps going they like were three like, more times. They were like off key though. Yeah. I was like, wow, you guys aren't doing this well. Yeah. Very off key. But it does crack me up though. Like you said, the one guy. And then... I totally missed who jumped him. I know he got jumped. So that was, so I guess new Jack was supposed to have a match with Jack victory Yeah. that night. And Jack victory comes out and he starts talking, starts talking some shit yeah. to him. They kind of start going at it. And then this like Cadillac comes flying up and yeah. it's the Dudleys. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Now, mind you, I looked away. This is 90, this is 98. And if you've been watching wrestling lately and you know who like Bubba and Devon are, there were, you, you know who you know what they look like. Bubba's about three hundred and fifty pounds back in the day. Yeah, this is so before you he see, slimmed down. So you see Bubba, and then you kind of do a double triple take because you're like, "Who's that fatty?" You know, yeah. and you realize that it's him. Devon still kind of looks like Devon. Well, and the other thing is, um, this is ECW, so there's like twelve Dudleys. Yeah, yeah, there is twelve Dudleys, and then um, because we'll get to that in the main event. Yeah. And then uh, Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten come out to kind of help New Jack. And apparently... You, you know, I always see... I never know who Axel Rotten is when he appears on TV. I always think it's... I always want to say, like, it's Balls Mahoney. I'm like, no, that's not Balls Mahoney. Mm-mm. Balls Mahoney's not blonde. Balls Mahoney was never the blonde one. Yeah. They both kind of dressed the same. But yeah, Axel Rotten was the was the blonde-haired one. Yeah. And then uh, New Jack, I think, gets thrown into the car. Yeah. And then they... The Dudleys and Jack Victory drive away, and then the next thing you know, New Jack, of course, is busted wide open, and yeah. like Axel Rotten's like yelling, like "Get me some help!" And you're just like, "This is total cheese fest from like the late '90s." I I do like that they do this stuff outside though. Oh, like, I do. Oh, I do too. I think it's I think it's very missed in 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 a lot of wrestling yeah. today. Like oh, like stuff that happened earlier in the day or stuff that happened in the parking lot. I think it's very. I think it's not done enough. Yeah. So up next, I will say the next match is the second best match of the night. I would yeah, say. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. So we have Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. Very young looking Masato Tanaka, even though he still kind of looks like an old man. I always thought he looked like he was 50 years old. Yeah, and he I, looks I'm much sure like he was now. probably like 30 years old or he, something. His at the body time. looked really weird, like when he was walking out. Well, he had the. Well, he kind of walks like he's. He kind of walks like he's carrying luggage. Yeah. You know, and then he has the scars. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh man, this dude's been probably through like the ringer. Now, the one thing I, I, I like that Styles did here is when he's coming out, he talks about them having a match previously and pretty much saying like awesome, like dominated him. Yes. I liked that as well. I, I liked how they were talking about the history. Yeah. Of those two guys. I think they're in Japan. Yeah. I believe they had matches. It's probably in FMW. Yeah. But, like, because I don't think either of them... I don't think Mike Awesome was a regular. Mm-mm. And um, I think their more famous matches are in 99. 
Because this is much more subdued than some of the stuff they did. This is yeah. This was a lot more subdued, and a, I don't even think I really remembered this match. Yeah, I was and surprised. I, and I know that you. I know you just said it about like the more famous matches in '99 yeah. and probably 2000 are probably like their most famous matches. But yeah, Except- Mike Awesome though, fantastic mullet. Oh fantastic yes. mullet. Because they kind of. They ended up in the fourth row pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty quick. I wonder, like, I've been at shows where you're like that, and you, it's constantly on your mind when there's no guardrail, like, if you're going to have to scurry, but I just couldn't imagine sitting there and seeing, like, big-ass Mike Awesome, like, come flying, like, into the crowd like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it when, uh, so in this match, they start doing, like, the shoulder block, uh, I don't want. I don't want to call it a skit. The shoulder block kind of. What the? I don't know what the hell the word is. I'm looking for. Like the kind of like the like, standoff. Yeah, like they're just doing the shoulder blocks, and Mike Awesome pie faces them and goes, yeah. and and Mike Awesome says, "Where'd he go?" Oh, he yells, "Get off me, mother effer!" Yeah, and he like then they do it again, and it was it like that was the stuff that I loved about ECW, and then I think it's the stuff that I like about New Japan. Like when the when when Gorillas of Destiny are in there and yeah. freaking Tama or, or his freaking brother gets chopped and they're like oh shit yeah you know but well, yeah I like what I liked about this verse like um this show especially what I liked about this match and the Taz match and the main event to an extent but lesser so um this match in the the Taz match came off as very personal rivalries yeah which. You don't really feel in the modern WWE. There's always something no. like very sterile about it. But like this match and the Taz match, like it really added to the fact that they didn't try and have a wrestling match with each other. Like it just evolved into them like trying to hurt each other. I I agree with that, and I agree with that. And like I said, it's a little you you you're into it a little bit more when when it feels personable. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, freaking. I I think we were talking about awesome getting into like the second row pretty quick. He does a springboard. And he pauses for like two seconds on the top rope. Now, mind you, I think this man was what six foot seven, six foot eight. I think he was like six four, six five, maybe. But they were hyping him up yeah. like six foot eight. But, I mean, but still, big he, dude, almost three hundred pounds. He almost overshot it though. Springboards to the top of the rope, pauses on the top rope, mind you, and then freaking jumps into like the fifth row. Yeah, I know. On the Tanaka, yeah, he overshots it a little bit. But they, what I what I liked about this match is the way Styles sold it, and the way they approached the match. Like, really, when Tanaka won, I was really shocked because the way they structured the match and the way Styles hyped it up made it seem like Tanaka was out of his depth with this. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I definitely think, I definitely think watching the first couple minutes of the match, you think Awesome's going to just dominate. Yeah, and I mean. The the chair shots. Holy Christ, what are we doing? The chair yeah, that's, shots. That's, there's there's but two that, but that's that's the late nineties wrestling man. There there's two things there's two things I struggle with with going back to ECW. Two things I struggle and it, and the one wasn't on this show is bad, but the two things I struggle with are the unprotected chair shots, which yeah. are frequent and horrible. 
And um, the way they treat women is really rough. I, I agree. Now, looking back on it, like you said, like now that I'm I'm an older man, I'm an older gentleman and stuff like that. You're just like, all right, man. Like, yeah. You don't really got to do that with the ladies. And it, it wasn't bad on this show, but that's only because Tammy was the only one on there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and, you know, Francine, you know, they really didn't do they didn't no. do much of Francine because she was up in, in the booth with Shane yeah. and Joey. But yeah, the unprotected chair shots. I mean, I remember that they did them. Yeah. But then you see them again, and you're just like, oh. Well, they did it on spring break, like, with um, L.A. Park and Masato Tanaka. Like, the right start of the match, Park just takes a chair and smacks him right on top of the head with it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like, that's not good. But, yeah, yeah the, the unprotected chair shots make me cringe. Yeah. And, I mean, Tanaka, Tanaka takes him like a champion, too, man. I just, he doesn't, like, give, a, he doesn't give a shit. He just doesn't give an F. And, mm. I mean, he just... I mean, he took the two chair shots, and I think he takes a third and pops right back up. And I was like, I'd be dead. <laughs> like, my C-spine would be shattered if yeah. he, if Awesome hit me in the head with a chair like that. But, yeah, that was... And I like that they kept it. They kept it. I looked it up. It's 11 minutes and 49 seconds. I Is it? That, yeah. It... They kept it fairly short, and I like that because I think today that's a match that they would try and, like, squeeze, like, 20-plus minutes out. Yeah, that match, to me, I was wondering that as well, how long the match was, because the match had a lot of impact for 11 minutes. I think that, looking at this, the only match that went over 20 was the tag title match. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes! But this is this is probably my second favorite match on the show because I thought I thought Taz and Bam Bam was excellent and I thought this was really good. I thought that match was probably yeah the best as well the Taz and Bam Bam one because I think like you said it was a lot more personal and it was and I think I think it was like the the greatest hits of like that WWF main event like brawl style from Austin like yeah. they did just going through the arena. And yeah, we'll get there. And I thought like the ending was really good to that, but this was good. Like I liked, I thought Tanaka, I was really shocked when Tanaka won. Yeah. He stacks up, uh, he stacks up some chairs and then hits a tornado DDT on awesome for the three count. Yep. And doesn't before, doesn't Tanaka blast, um, awesome with a chair shot. Or yes, it could I'm be pretty wrong. sure. Cause I know that there's. Oh, Tanaka power bombs awesome outside inside through a table and awesome lands super high on his neck. And I thought I was going to like, yeah, poop my pants after I saw that. Yeah. Cause the crowd starts chanting. Holy shit. Uh, some of, some, of, those landings some of those landings from this, I will say some of the landings from this pay-per-view was not good. Kind of made you cringe after, yeah. Uh, uh, after seeing them. So then we get into, um, did they do a Dudley Boys promo? So yeah. Taz cuts a promo That's on right. Bam Bam, and then they do a Dudley Boys promo as well, but we forgot to mention before the awesome Tanaka match, they do an RVD, Sabu, and Bill Alfonso yeah. promo. I love Bill Alfonso. Which, which when we get to the match here in a minute, I'll I'll tell you about it. But I love, and I know we talked about it, I think, in Messenger a little bit, the relationship between RVD and Sabu, where yeah. it's just like Rob's holding all the, like, he's hogging all the glory, and then Sabu just, like, 
hits him or he's like steals the other belt and he's like hey man you're cool too like you know and well, all they, they kind of there's there's history to that like where rvd was supposed to soften up bam bam for sabu to get the tv title and then he actually won it and then he was kind of being a douche about it afterwards oh, so there's kind of like uh you can you can tell there's definitely tension between the two of them and it's yeah. because rvd's being a douchebag being a douchebag so this but match, yeah, but, but 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 Bill Alfonso, man, he's a he is a character. Yeah, and um, I have an aversion to Joel Gertner because they used him as an announcer and he didn't work like that. But I liked him like with his Dudley Boys. I did, promo. I I did as well. Um, yeah, there, yeah, the Dudley Boys promo. I have it here on my notes. It's just still crazy to see Bubba Ray. Yeah, that big, and he also had like a Southern accent. Yeah. Which, if you listen to him nowadays, even on his podcast, that his freaking New York accent is just so thick, and you're just like... Yeah. And he kind of pulls it off a little bit, but you can kind of also hear, like, his New York accent in a little bit. One of the best, one of the best um, dud, like promos against the Dudley Boys is... This guy was like, there's black Dudley boys, like Indian Dudley boys, like Asian oh, Dudley I boys. I remember that I one. think Mama Dudley was a whore. Yeah, I think I remember that. I think Mama Dudley was a whore. Yeah, but so the tag title match was... Okay, so the tag title match is Rob Van Dam and Sabu defending against um, Hayabusa and Jinsei Shinzaki. Mm-hmm. So... Which used to be known as Hakushi. Yep. In WWF or yeah. WWE, whatever one you want to say. So I really liked the start of this when they're like doing mat work trying to kind of ground Hayabusa because they don't want him to fly. As well. And I even, but this, but I, I liked it through that. But then when they started kind of going outside the ring, I started losing interest in it. Agree. And then, so then the worst part of this, and this is like a quintessential Sabu match. This, they get this table out and like the legs broken on it and Sabu will just not let this damn table go. I told you about this in messenger before we, before I came over tonight, I said, man, I said this tag match, first of all, the tag match took like seven minutes to even figure out who was going to start the match between Sabu yeah. and, and RVD and Sabu's just pacing around the ring like an animal yeah. and the referee is just all distracted with Sabu. So then you're like, whatever. And then RVD and Hayabusa start it. And yeah, the mat work is, is is good and stuff. But yeah, Sabu just keeps on with this table. And this one leg is completely shattered. Like, Well, then Jinsei Shinsaki won't let it go either. Well, Shinsaki like, looks at it. And I think he even puts it on its side and is trying to like fix it. <laughs> yeah. And then I think he puts it on its all fours and then it just crumbles because the actual frame like breaks. Well, and then they like end up, they end up like throwing it like all the way over and just like the legs like completely like bent. Well, I, I think they put it in no they tried to set it up and then i think um uh shinzaki puts like rvd on it to like sit him on it and then that leg breaks yeah so they're just laying there and hayabusa comes off the top rope like with a splash and then they they get the they get another table and i swear to god i thought that table was like half broken too i thought it was too Shane Douglas does a nice little commentary there of, well, in ECW, you know we'll have tables. And you're just, like, laughing at it. But this is, like, so the part of the charm of Sabu, I think, is when something doesn't go right and he just can't let it go. No. And he would not let this. Like, there's, 
I was watching it, and I, I don't think it was five minutes, but I swear to God, it was five minutes of them screwing around that stupid table. Yeah. And, like, it just, it totally derailed the match. Yeah. Well, what totally derailed the match for me on this one was, like, RVD would get hit with something. Like, he'd get hit with a splash or something, and then Sabu would come in, drop kick like, like Shinzaki's knee, and then RVD just bounces up and goes for a rolling thunder. And, yeah. like, sells it like he never got hit with anything. And you're kind of like, all right, man, like, you could sell it a little bit. Like, you just kind of laid it, there. It felt like they kind of gobbled it Hayabusa f- and Shinzaki up. Because I was yeah. I was kind of looking forward to this. Like, Sabu's not my favorite. But I'm like, oh, like, you know, you got RVD and Sabu. And, like, Hayabusa does some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Hayabusa really didn't do anything. No. And then, like... They're screwing around this table. Like, I don't even remember what Jinsei Shinzaki did other than, like, screwing around the table. So, Shinzaki does the Warriors Warriors prayer walk. Yeah, I remember that. On the top rope, which was pretty cool. And Hayabusa does the 450. Those are the only things I really remember from from that they've done in the match. That That wasn't, like, the table spots at all. Well, because it was, like I said, the mat work part's good. Yeah. But then they start, like, jump, they start doing dives out of the ring and mm-hmm. doing stuff on the outside. And then at that point, the pacing was bad. Mm-hmm. And I, like, it felt very rushed. And then, like, by the time the tables actually came out, like, I'd kind of lost interest. Yeah. So I watched this twice because the first time I lost interest, but then I wanted to see, like, how the table derailed the whole match. Mm-hmm. So I watched it a second time, which. Yeah, I don't usually watch bad matches twice, but I just had to see like how the table like screwed things up. Yeah, I couldn't watch this match again. I'm sorry. I mean, even if you paid me, I don't know if I could watch yeah. it. I mean, I was. I mean, I watched it the first time to do this one, and I was kind of just like at the end, I was like, "Oh man, okay." Yeah. Like, like I got my notes for it, and I watched it, and there but, was some, there was some cool stuff to it, but but like I like that like. They do like what I, what I did like about it in the beginning was like they do that like championship style like we're gonna feel you out we're gonna kind of like ground you yeah yeah I actually liked that I liked how Sabu kept doing uh, drop kicks to the knees and to the ankles kind of yeah. taking out the high flyers I kind of liked that about always Sabu's game but I just kind of felt like the like you said I think the match was what twenty minutes yeah long? yeah just... this this could have been a fifteen minute match but it just felt like at the Maybe, like, the last, like, five minutes was very, like, compact and rushed. Yeah. And it was all, like, put together and nothing was very... There was, like, the flow was very lost in this match for me. After... Yeah. I think after they after they did the uh, the one table was broke. They yeah. It just, like, like you said, it, it lost me as well. And so then we... So then we... So after this, which... Um, they kind of they kind of celebrate together at the end, but you can kind of tell there's still a little tension. Well, it, so how what happens at the end is they they both set uh, Jinsei and Hayabusa on half of the table, mm-hmm. and they both do like their like leg drop or splash spot. Yeah, and then RVD's going for the cover, and it's Sabu Sabu's. knocks him out yeah. of the way and gets the pin, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. Like you said, knowing their their back their you know their history and stuff and yeah they're kind of celebrating but then you can kind of still feel tension and yeah bill alfonso with that effing whistle oh i love Bill. damn it (laughs) five minutes into not even five minutes two minutes into the match i was like i hope he swallows it (laughs) golly but so this is this is 
So this match is bad, but I think it and the next match really highlights what ECW is good at, which is like those personal rivalries. Yeah. Because it this really did weave like their interpersonal relationship like in a really good way. Mm-hmm. So then we go into they do a video highlight, I guess, of like Taz doing like the on air reason that Shane Douglas is injured and hurting him. Yeah. And so then Shane kind of interjects and talks about how this is Bam Bam going after him to get him back for hurting him. Yeah, this is, and I I know we talked about this before off air, but this was the only part where Shane kind of goes very heel in the whole thing. Because the whole rest of the night, he's been very right down the middle. And I felt like he was subdued, though, comparatively to what like a heel commentator would be now. Yeah. Yeah, he was very subdued. He didn't interject a lot, but when he did interject, he he interjected very like basic stuff. Well, like, but, but to the casual wrestling fan, it would make sense. The only time he really went anti-Taz is when they go through the ramp. And he's like, "Get a doctor out here!" Like, screw Taz! Like, just check true. on Bam Bam. That and, was that was probably like the highlight of the match when when Shane's just yelling. He's like, "Screw Taz!" He's like, "Check on Bam Bam." Yeah. So this one really doesn't ever end up in the ring they just kind of um so this match was this match started fast yeah like they just went at it like i think taz charges at bam bam and i think bam bam hits him with a power bomb and taz just pops right back up yeah and yells f you to 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 bam bam but this what i thought was great about this match is they really set up that these two guys don't like each other. Yeah. And they show Bam Bam putting him through the ring mm-hmm. at an earlier pay-per-view to like kind of set up that they have history on top of like the the Shane Douglas thing. And they wrestle this match like two guys that hate each other. Oh, yeah. It was, and I think you said it earlier, it was like classic 90s brawl. Yeah. Like into the into the crowd and stuff like that. This is and something that you would see. You would think you would see like Stone Cold and like the Undertaker doing Stone Cold and Triple H. Yeah. Or Stone Cold and the Rock. Or yeah, something this, like that. It, it has a very. You can see like, you can see like the WWE style like in this mm-hmm. like and probably that this is like, this the style that led to what they're doing. Yeah. But I also like that, like, there wasn't interference. Like, this is straight up just the two of them brawling until one of them can't go anymore. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought this whole pay-per-view was really good about not having, like, cheap victories. Yeah, November to Remember was not good at that. Yeah, it was very, it was very, like, it was very, like, straight shot. Like, you know, like, you have a winner, you have a loser. Like, no one really does any kind of cheap stuff or no interference really see what my problem though is like i don't understand why this wasn't the last match because i feel like the match that comes after this is like a letdown and you really it's really hard to pay attention to because this was like the perfect like end I, of the show so when i was doing this as well i i didn't have and i didn't have them i didn't have the card in front of me so i typed out main event and i had to go back in and like edit out that it wasn't the main event because i thought it was the main it event. felt like a main event because it felt like a main event even even like the way taz leaves the ring at the end feels like you should get that little trademark like oh yeah the, the lower third man yeah. you should get the lower third and 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 be good yeah now um i don't feel like ecw camera work usually that great but the visual i really took away from this match is taz choking bam bam out on the ramp after like they both like crawled their way out of like that hole that so that part through. was so that part was awesome so so taz where are we at here so i think taz gets bam 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 tries to go for a t-bone 
to to T-bone Bam, uh, Taz into the crowd. And Taz reverses it into a tornado DDT onto the ramp through the ramp. Yeah. And then that's when Shane starts yelling, my God, somebody check on Bam Bam. Who cares about and, Taz? And they milk this pretty good because they're in there a couple minutes. Yeah, they milk it pretty good. Crowd starts chanting, holy shit, holy shit. And then Bam shit, Bam, Bam like crawls out. Bam Bam crawls out. Shane Douglas marks out that Bam Bam yeah. is out there. Taz kind of does like a like a hand up, yeah, like rise up kind dramatic. of thing. Very dramatic. He gets out there, gets on top of the ramp, does this like banshee cry, like scream thing. Runs and jumps on Bam Bam's back, locks in the Taz mission, and they pr- it pretty much ends with and, like hit like it's pretty much Bam Bam on his side on the ramp and Taz and, like choking him yeah, out. Yeah, Taz chokes him out, and Shane Douglas absolutely loses his shit. Yeah. So, so the thing I'll take away from this match is the camera work from the other side up the ramp. You can see Paul Heyman. Or Paul E. Dangerous, whatever you want to call him. You can see Heyman, and I think you can see the doctors trying to figure out how they can get to the two guys at the end of it. And I think that's what I took away from it was that was just that shot of those two guys just laying there. Yeah. Just like that, because that match wasn't long either, too. Was it maybe it was like 15 ish minutes, I believe? It felt longer, though. It, was, it did feel longer. This I, says 13 minutes and 21 the seconds. The longer part, I will say, was probably on the outside when they yeah. were kind of doing a lot more of the brawling and stuff like that. There was a spot on the outside where Bam Bam like slips and like busts his head, I think, on the concrete. Doesn't get busted open, but I think he like slipped on a beer or something. Wait, wait which match was it? Um,. We might not have got to yet. Wimish had like the guy taking a beer from a fan and throwing it in someone's face. That was just incredible. Yeah, that's right. So so going back to that match, Credible's on the outside. This guy has like a full beer and Justin pretty much spills three fourths of it, takes only like the head or the foam yeah. of the of the thing, and punches Lynn in the head with the cup. Yeah. So all you just really see is just the foam like flying out of there, which I was which I just kind of shook my head about, and I was like, "That's yeah, here's that, that that's guy a probably waste. Eight bucks. Yeah, that's probably an eight dollar beer there, and he just yeah. destroyed it. I I thought this was the perfect length though because it didn't overstay its welcome, and it actually it made. I know they probably didn't rematch after this, other than they had like a six man at the next pay per view. I can't and It's remember. more about Shane and um Taz past this. Yeah, but um. It's that kind of match that has a nice definitive ending. Yeah. Um, but you could, if they rematched it, you'd be eager to see it again. Mm-hmm. And um, I really like this match. Like I, I more remember the living dangerously match where he gets him in the hold and bam, bam, like dives backwards to get the, to break the, the Taz mission and they go through the ring together. I remember, th- I remember that one as well, because I think they show that one a lot more. They do. Um, I think I remembered when they went through the ramp on this pay-per-view. I didn't remember how this one ended. So then when that one ended, I was kind of like, wow, like you did that big spot and then it kind of just ends with Taz running up his back and doing a Taz mission. I think the other one, I I think I was kind of. I think the living dangerously one because Bam Bam was on top of him. Like he yeah. pulls him out of the ring and just pins him, which that made sense in that context. Yeah. Um, but I'm more familiar with that one. And I actually, 
I haven't seen that one in a long time, and I want to watch it now because I really like this match. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I may go home and I may watch that match as well. Yeah, because, because I, I, I really, like I said, I really like this. Like, this would be, it wouldn't be like an all-time best match to me, but I really liked it, and it's something that would be like a favorite of mine going forward. Yeah. Just well, like, because they, it really, they did a good job of like setting it up mm-hmm. to make you care about the rivalry. Well, that's what, and that's what I was going to say. It, it feels personable and it feels the story. It and, kind of feels like to, to use today's audience. It feels like Gargano Champa. Yeah. You does. know, like there's a story. There's actually, there's this, there's actual history and they like, should have made, they should have made Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose watch this when they did their matches in the winter. Absolutely. Because I, I felt like those, and we'll go off side note there. We I feel like that was kind of lackluster. Yeah, I did too. With those two, but um, this really this really communicated the hatred. And like I said, this I think this is a good example of um what ECW did well, which is like the personal rivalries. Yeah, and I also liked that they kept it simple. Like there weren't like no one really went through a table. Like they weren't no. doing like crazy spots. Like they were just brawling through the crowd like maybe some chair shots yeah and stuff i think taz does a t-bone on the outside to the concrete which was kind of like ooh, okay but then it wasn't it wasn't too bad but yeah it wasn't nothing really like crazy yeah like no table spots no chair shots no anything like that it was just kind of like an old school street fight but without like the weapons and shane didn't interfere which i I like that no i did love at the end though when taz cuts the promo on shane and shane picks up the monitor and throws it from the from the commentary section down to the floor because i guess their booth where the commentary's table was was like super high up in the in the in the arena instead of being like on the floor where you would see most of them nowadays. Yeah. So then we go to the main event, which oh, man. I don't, I should have watched this again because I was really kind of, I watched it, but um, I didn't care for it too much. It wasn't bad, but all I really remember is a lot of like ladders and a lot of like guys jumping around. So I remember, so the Dudley's, and Tommy dreamer almost dying. So the Dudley's come out and the Dudley's cut a promo well, Gardner cuts a promo, which, in my opinion, is a very mild promo from Gardner. He he got a little more try because hard he when got he... yeah he got a lot more try hard. But I, later. I love the I love the like he's got like that god awful jacket, but he doesn't have like a shirt underneath. No, it. it's and just chest got, like, hair, and, and he's he, got like the neck brace, like he's just... with the bow tie, yeah, and he has he's... like he has like he has like khaki shorts on but they're black khaki shorts and he has like dress shoes on. Yeah, like I was, love when he when he always did like his little like hand thing. It, this, it always cracked me up. Like his outfit his outfit had me laughing. Always. His outfit always had me cracking up. But, but yeah, I Bubba like, Bubba cuts a promo and he's speaking with like a southern accent. Yeah. And it's just very it's just very weird. And yeah. then like I know we sent we mentioned this earlier about the theme music, but it was just like Dreamer had Dreamer had Alice in Chains yeah. for his theme music. And then you hear the music that they play on the network and you're just like Alright, it's kind of like a bootleg version of it. And then it takes them like five minutes to come out, and when they all come out, yeah, but at least ladders. At least his sounded reasonable. His sounded reasonable. But Just like, Incredibles didn't sound anything like Just Incredibles. I, but and like Sandman's like was I don't even know what they played for his. 
Well, Sandman came out with Dreamer and Dudley oh, okay. and Spike on this one. Because normally Sandman comes out to yeah. enter Sandman. And he busted himself with his beer can. He busted himself with the second beer, first or second beer can. Yeah. But, but yeah, they came out with, with ladders. I will say, though, the one thing that they did okay is sometimes when they dub, overdub, like music they can't use, like the crowd audio gets all screwed up. And like you, it, it, they did an okay job with this. Uh, yeah. It the crowd still sounds like the crowd doesn't get drowned out. Like on some of those shows, it's like they used like a just a blunt hammer to like dub the music in. Yeah, and it's it's, it's it, you can tell it's wrong, but like it doesn't change the audio of the show. No, yeah. The one thing that I like too, and it's just it's, it's those little things with wrestling. Spike obviously is the smallest, and he has like yeah. he has like a real small ladder, and then Dreamer has like a normal sized ladder. Sandman has like a looked like a ten foot ladder. Yeah. And Sandman's just smoking a cigarette and pulling beards out of his pockets. And I did like the introductions, though, that Gertner did for the Dudleys, like the Big Dick Dudley. I did intro. like that one as well. Big Dick Dudley. I forgot about Big Dick Dudley. Yeah, I think he's dead, actually. I think, oh, rest in peace, Big Dick Dudley. And, um... I should have Sign that. Guy Dudley. Yeah, because he, he got put in a figure four, because Tommy... <laughs> he puts him in a figure four, and he has a... He has a, uh... Sign Guy Dudley has a, uh... Has a knee immobilizer on. Yeah, but there was... So it's pretty funny to see that a person in a knee immobilizer getting was, a, uh, a figure four. I should have four. written it down, but they did something to Tommy in this match. And I'm like, holy shit, why did you do that? Like, um, You probably wrote we'll it We'll keep down. talking. Let me let me look at my notes here. It was like midway through the match. Because like, really my remembrance of this match is it felt like guys just diving off of ladders on each other over and over and over again. It's kind of my remembrance of this match. And then New Jack, like, comes out and um, beats everyone well, up. don't spoil it, Brad. <laughs> you know, for so, what... So I do have one, one part of my notes. Um, one part of my notes. Bubba and Sandman are in the ring, and Sandman hits a Frankensteiner on Bubba Ray Dudley. Yeah, Sandman uh, liked to do that. They yeah. always They always looked... Um, Oh, was the spot with Dreamer when all three of the Dudleys team up on him? Yeah, I think so. And they put... Um, they put, I think they put the big ladder over Tommy and Bubba does a, 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 t- a yeah, second rope senton yeah. on Tommy. And I, yeah, I think that was the spot where I thought Tommy was absolutely dead as well. But, um, I was going to say, I think as much ECW as I've seen, I think I've only seen New Jack actually wrestle like two or three matches. I think, I think I, I think I'd agree on that as well. That I've only seen him in, like, maybe two matches, like, legit matches. I think he wrestled more, like... Because I think when we started watching more, like, as teenagers, it was more like this time frame. And I don't think... I think they were, like, doing a lot of stuff to keep him out of the ring. But, um... Yeah, well, because, I mean, I don't think he was technically anything sound in the ring. I mean, I don't even know if he was really trained. I know, like, he did Smoky Mountain Wrestling, so I know Cornette probably worked with him. But yeah, but because there's um, there's a there's a promo, and this is like West Virginia. Um, he and Mustafa like he would do these like racist promos, and some of them were hilarious. But the best one was um, he's like, I want to give a shout out to OJ like two down or something, oh like or keep doing goodness. the good work like two down or something. Oh my goodness, New Jack. Yeah, New Jack. But yeah. Dreamer Dreamer hits a DDT on Bubba on the ladder, and they get the win. Yeah. And then Jack Victory comes in, 
breaks a guitar over Dreamer's head. Crowd starts chanting for New Jack, of course. Yeah. And then his music was actually sounded about right for the fake thing. It sounded good for the fake one, but New Jack's, when you would watch it, and I don't know if this was just me, but like, because New Jack had natural born killers from Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. Now, when those hit, I got pumped. Yeah. I would always get pumped. It wasn't to the level of like stone cold glass breaking yeah. where I'd get super excited. But like when that would hit, like you knew something was about to yeah. happen. And he comes down with that shopping cart and he just starts throwing everything in the ring. And it was your prototypical new Jack. It's like. your prototypical. It's your prototypical new Jack match. He comes in, he's in the ma- He's in the ring for probably five minutes. Does his thing. He hits Big Dick Dudley with the shopping cart and actually, like, picked it up and hits him with it. Knocks him over the top rope, which was hilarious to me. I'm surprised um, surprised WWE never used Big Dick Dudley because he had that look that Vince He had, had the look. I was really... I would be surprised with that, too. He wasn't terrible, either. Like, he wasn't Because you, you could turn him into, like, a monster kind of type. And he wasn't, he wasn't great, but he wasn't, like... He wasn't terrible. He wasn't, no, he wasn't ever the, I would never say he was like the worst big man. Yeah. I mean, there's been, so there's been worse big men in, in I don't in think there. this should have been the main event though, because I really think Taz and Bam Bam should have. I don't know why. Cause the crowd really, the crowd wasn't, the crowd wasn't as into this as they should have been. I, I thought the crowd was dead for this match too. And I don't know if that was just how the how the how the stream was, but I did feel that as well too. That the it, it that the crowd was kind of dead after that match, and I, they they also it wasn't structured well. Like they didn't set up like the ladders and stuff. They just kind of went straight to it. Like they didn't. I feel like they didn't earn like the reaction to the ladders and stuff. It felt like because I felt like it started and suddenly like they were just ladders everywhere yeah do you feel like this match would have been better if they just did like a kind of like a tornado style with it yeah. instead of doing like let's start it out one-on-one like devon and dreamer and then yeah you know, Sp- you know bubba gets in then spike gets in and then those two kind of go out we're doing a like bit. a war games thing where like you start with two and then people come out and yeah but I think this would have been better served as like middle of the card, maybe like the opener. Like it just, it, it had a hard act to follow. I felt like, I felt. Uh, I wonder. I wonder where you could have put this match at. I probably would. I definitely. It. I definitely would have moved it up one. Yeah, I probably would have done it. You maybe could have done it before the RVD match. I feel like you need it. Well. I would have. I think I would have done it between. That may have been too much. That may have been too much after the awesome match. Yeah. With the. I might have done it between the tag title match and the. And the and the and the Taz Bam Bam yeah. match. I agree. Maybe moving that one up and then making Taz. Taz and Bam Bam as your final because it kind of. There's be- a natural progression in the first three matches. Of the first two matches are pretty straight. And yeah. then you get a match that's a little crazier, and then a match that's a little crazier, and then you get into like the more ECW mm-hmm. style stuff, and they kind of gradually like build up to it. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like it would it need to go after RVD and Sabu's match to keep that progression intact. No, I agree. Because and I think like we said, we kind of started losing interest 
halfway into the tag match. Yeah. And then the Taz match came, and you're like, ooh, okay. Like, you see the little, like, vignette or the promo before, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And then they kind of just came out, and they were just, from the jump, they were just in each other's face. And you're like, oh, okay, like, this is it. And then, you know, like you said, like, Taz leaving was kind of like the end of, like, a champion leaving the ring, and you're like, yeah. All right, cool. And then they go, and here's the main event. And you're like, oh, there's one more match? It, it was a very, like, Taz leaving was, like, very cinematic. Like, it's mm-hmm. like it's like watching that old-style Western, like, the hero, like, riding off into the sunset yeah. after vanquishing the bad guy. Yeah. And it really felt like that as you watched it. Like, it felt like there was, like, a finality to the show to that. And then, like, there was more. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, that felt like the end of a show. Yeah, and I felt like it would have been better, too, because since Douglas kind of took the monitor and threw it and left with Francine, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Match is over. And then Styles kind of does this look like, well, guess I'm flying solo. And you're like, yeah. What do you mean? There's, like, two minutes left. And then they goes, oh, for the main event. You're like, oh. Yeah, that was a little weird. Well, H, okay. Didn't think there was any more matches, but okay. So let's let's give our final verdicts on this. Would you give this a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs in the middle? I would probably give this pay per view a thumbs up. Um, Like we said, you know, the first the first two matches kind of build slowly. Then you know, the awesome Tanaka match was. Really good, really hard-hitting. You know, I think you said it was about 11 minutes, but it Man. felt like there was a lot of impact in 11 minutes, and it was really good paced. Um, the tag match kind of slowed it down like we agreed on. Yeah. Kind of slowed it down, kind of had us kind of scratching our head going, huh, like they could have done a lot more. Um, and then the Taz match and Bam Bam match definitely brought it back up. Um Taz and Bam Bam was my favorite match of the pay-per-view. Yeah, mine too. Um, and then, like I said, the main event, you could have flipped the main event in the Taz match, and I think it probably would have been a a, a better show, but I'll definitely give this pay-per-view a thumbs up. Yeah, I'm going to go thumbs up. Um, I'd say there's six matches. Six, seven matches, I believe. Yeah, uh, six matches, Five, four of them are good. One of them's um, inoffensive, and one's actively bad. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's a good variety. You don't get bored. Like the show's pretty quick. I think it's only two and a half hours. Like yeah, I think it's about two and a half hours, maybe two forty at the most. It flowed pretty well. Nothing overstayed. It's welcome minus the tag match. And like I said, if if you haven't seen like an actual ECW show, I feel like this is a good like introductory show. Yeah. So I'll give it. I'll give it a thumbs up. Like. Um, probably one of the better ones and i see why it probably made like people's lists as like the number one like best ecw pay-per-view i think like i think um i'd have to watch again i liked barely legal 97 better yeah i'd have to go back and look at some too and maybe if you watch one of them and you think it's really good i mean you can always shoot it to me and i can i can watch at that and but yeah i like i said this one was you we know. might have to we might have to do a sequel to this dark match Ooh. and do a barely legal in a couple months. Ooh, sounds good. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Chris, for being on. I think we should do another ECW pay per view in the near future. I agree, my friend. So thank you all for listening and have a good evening.